just like any other kid growing up in circumstances like that, I wanted to change my family's life. So that's how I fell in love with the game of football. I loved everything about it. I started out playing it in the street, but I also had in that same household, uncles, cousins going in and out of prison, going in and out of jail for everything under the sun. Welcome back, world. It's another episode of Comeback Stories. It's a blessing to be here with my man, Donnie. We got a very special guest today, a great man, a great speaker, a man that brings the fire every time, Uki Johnson. And how you doing today, man? Man, I'm blessed, man. I appreciate you all for the opportunity to be on. Yes, sir. Before we get started, man, I got to say, so when I was in Baltimore, I think this was either 2015 or 2016, my rookie year, my first year, I remember you came and spoke to us. I think Morgan Cox got you to come come speak to the team in the auditorium. And I was in, you know, one of the first couple rows. Mm. And, you know, my life at the time was not what it is today by any means. The integrity wasn't there. The character wasn't there. I wasn't my authentic self. And hearing you speak to the team that day, it sent my mind into shock, honestly. I wasn't ready to receive that message. I wasn't in a space where I could even comprehend it because it just was the complete opposite of everything that I was at the time. And I just was like, I have none of these qualities in my life. And I I could see myself with them, but I couldn't see myself with them at the time. And that was the moment where I knew that, you know, the way that I was living was not it. And that was one of the first moments for me was hearing you speak. And so it's just a blessing to have you here today to uh, share. And you know, I appreciate you doing this. It means a lot to me, more to me than you know, man. Nah, that's wild, man. I didn't know that, man. I was yeah. talking with Steve Smith a couple of weeks ago, you know, cause he was there and he referred back to the same gig and how it affected him when I spoke. And so that's pretty cool, man. Thanks for sharing that with me. Nah, yeah, that blew me away. But uh, yeah, Donnie, you take it away, man. Now it sounds like you definitely planted some seeds and if he wasn't ready and he was a little foggy at the time right. clearly you planted some seeds and so here we all sit together it's a beautiful day so we just get right into it with the, with your story man can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up mm-hmm. born to a mother at 16 grew up in the city of atlanta kirkwood to be exact two bedroom home 14 people and i used to sleep on the floor but it was some of the best times of my life. Those moments coming up that way has shaped and molded me into who I am, you know, my approach. And just like any other kid growing up in circumstances like that, I wanted to change my family's life. So that's how I fell in love with the game of football. I loved everything about it. I started out playing it in the street, but I also had in that same household, uncles, cousins going in and out of prison, going in and out of jail for everything under the sun. And then in the same household, I had a mother and a grandmother that were diligent about trying to do things the right way. And so I got to kind of see both sides of life from both my environment and my household that kind of shaped my thought process about how I approach life. Amazing. Kind of the contrast almost of both of them. That's wild. What about, tell us a little bit about athletics and what sports you played, how that was growing up. Yeah, man, I was a uh, four-sport athlete my whole life. I loved football because I felt as if, you know, at the time, all the things I was dealing with in my household and just my personal life, football was that avenue that I could be aggressive, that I can go out and let things out in terms of my life. But I probably was, to be honest, I probably was a better basketball player than football player. And I played baseball and I ran track and I'll never forget my coach 
said to me one day when I was going back and forth about football, I was like, man, I'm done with football. And my coach is like, I want you to go to the library and look on every NBA roster and you tell me how many five nine point guards you see. And he said, look on NFL rosters and you tell me how many five nine cornerbacks you see. And you call me back. And so when I went to look, you know, it wasn't at the time any five nine point guard. And it kind of got my mind right and got me set straight, man. But I was a four sport. I love sports in general. I'm just a competitor. I love everything. It's powerful. What about you talked about dealing with what was going on in your household? We always like to ask our guests, what was an early memory of pain for you? And the reason we ask it is because pain is part of the shared human experience. And I think what connects us all. And even in the state of the world now, like all everything going on, it ideally would be connecting us, but because there's unfaced fear, trauma, and other people's stuff coming up that it's actually disconnecting us in a way. So what was an early memory of pain for you? Yeah, man, you know, it's funny that you say that because I always say to people, I believe the one thing that connects us all is no matter where we come from, no matter skin color, religion, politics, whatever the case may be. The one thing we all have in common is we will face opposition and adversity. And as a kid, I'll never forget, man, my house got, in terms of the red dogs, we call them in Atlanta, we call them the red dogs. It was a group of cops that would go on drug searches and drug busts. And I had uncles in my house that sold drugs. Now, I'll never forget the one day I was sitting in my living room and they kicked down our front door. I'll never forget I'm sitting there on the couch with my cousins and they kicked down our front door and here you had cops running in the front in the back at the time because they had circled the house. And so I'll never forget sitting there looking at it. You got guys screaming. You got guys with guns. You got guys drawing down different things, telling us don't move, telling my family members don't move, grabbing certain things. And I'll never forget being terrified. And my grandfather, my whole life, my grandfather never had legs. My grandfather's in a wheelchair. And so he used to wear these sleeves over his legs, right, where they were cut off at. And in his sleeve, I'll never forget looking at my grandfather because he was sitting by the television at the time. And I remember looking at him and I'll never forget watching a cop as they were searching the house. Never forget him grabbing my grandfather. And at the time we're sitting there, he grabbed my grandfather out of his wheelchair and he slammed him on his chest. My grandfather, he pushed his head down and he snatched the sleeves off his leg. And at the time, my grandfather had some packs of drugs like little nick and dime packs of drugs in his sleeve right on his legs. And I'll never forget looking at the look of fear on my grandfather's face, but also they had my grandmother against the wall as they were screaming. And I'll never forget at that point how that impacted and affected me as a young man in terms of my decision-making, my choices, and just having to experience. That wasn't the first time I had experienced that. Like throughout my childhood, I experienced that. I know at least close to 10 times in different places that we moved. Unreal. I think it's amazing in how you tied it into how that experience and the pain shapes every decision we make until until we face it, until we do our own work to understand and really change the perspective of it that sometimes it's not the event that happens, but the meaning we attach to it. But that takes work, especially when there's legit trauma, like what you were seeing before your eyes. Who was your first real teacher growing up? Yeah, man, I had several, but my first teacher that kind of got into the trenches with me in terms of doing the work, I would have to say my eighth grade 
a math teacher and basketball coach. And he used to always say different things to us, right? Just about life, about education, about sports. And he would challenge us. And he was the guy that I never forget. He said to me once, I was in Kirkwood in my neighborhood. And I was just hanging out with my uncles. And he pulled up one day after school. And he was like, ain't you better in this environment? And he wasn't speaking down on the environment. He was just saying all that the environment had at the time. He was trying to let me know, man, you got a better chance, right? You got a future, man. You're better than this. You need to see beyond this. And I was like, I hear you, but you talking what you talking and you going back to wherever you live. And I'm going back to where I stay. I'm going back to that two bedroom with 14 people. So I hear you talking, but to me, that's just words because I got to go back to a certain environment. And he was like, oh, you think I'm playing? And he was like, I'll be here in the morning to pick you up. And he started picking me up every morning before school playing me in a game of one-on-one basketball, making me recite proverbs, making me write about dreams, goals, and aspirations until I graduated high school. So he didn't do it just my eighth grade year. He did this from the time I was in eighth grade until I graduated high school, and it changed my life. Wow. Man, what I hear from that is, you know, I can relate to when you were younger and in your community, you may not have had the knowledge of what was going on and if it may have been wrong, if it may not have been what you were capable of, but we just want to feel connected and we'll do things to feel that connection with the people around us just to be a part of our community. We don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. We don't want to be that guy that's doing something different. We want to feel a part of something, but it takes letting other people into our journey to allow us to grow out of that and to build the habits that, you know, allow us to address adversity in a proper way. And with that, I want to transition into, you know, what happened in your life? Like, can you give us a summary of what led up to the greatest moment of adversity in your life? Yeah, man, you know, blessed with a scholarship, man, in Tennessee, living my dream. First one in my family to go to college. Things are going great. Things are looking up as if I was about to accomplish my lifelong dream of making it to the NFL and playing the game at a high level in my junior year, go out to make a routine tackle like any other game, any other practice. And for some strange reason, the outcome was different. I tell people all the time, and I'll never forget the fourth quarter of that Air Force game when I hit that guy. It seemed as if my soul left my body. I had never experienced anything like that before. And when I went to hit him, felt as if every breath of my body left, and I found myself in the emergency room fighting for my life. And my life was never the same ever again. What What were some of the emotions that you were feeling from that? What were some of the were you, did you feel like you were wronged or betrayed or wondering where God was? Like, what were some of the things that were burning on the inside of you during that time? Yeah, man, it, it was several emotions, right? It was disappointment. It was uh, a surreal feeling, right? Like I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it because the nature of my injury, the reason they had to save my life was I ruptured the subclavian artery in my chest. And so I was bleeding internally. And so they had to address that, take the main vein out of my leg, plug it into my chest that day. And when they were in surgery, they noticed I had torn the nerves in my brachial plexus, which are the nerve roots that go from my spine that control shoulder, arm, hands, and fingers. And so it paralyzed my right arm and hand. And so when they're telling me this, I'm thinking like, this can't be, right? Like I work too hard. I'm thinking seven to 20 years old. I get into my junior season. I didn't care what anybody said. I was leaving school regardless because I had a family back in Atlanta that I felt like I was willing to bet on myself. I had bet on myself my whole life. And so it didn't matter to me. I was going to leave my junior year at Tennessee. 
regardless, because my mom was working a double shift at Wendy's, so it didn't matter to me. And so when they told me that my football career was probably over, I was like, nah, God wouldn't, God wouldn't let it go down like this. I put too much into it. And so I remember saying to the doctor, like, man, I'm going to just go to sleep early every day, thinking that when I wake up the next day, I'll be able to feel my arm. I'll have movement. I'll be able to move my fingers. I'll be able to feel my back. And every day, bro, I would wake up and I would touch my arm and I'll be like, man, I still can't feel it. Right. That helped. That happened for a while. Right. To where I had to just live with the thought of, man, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow and tomorrow never came. Yeah. Dang. So I feel like one of the hardest things that we got to do when things like that happen is accept our reality, no matter all the things like how it led up, what we could have done different. We just have to accept where we are and move forward. And I can't imagine how hard it was for you to move forward. But can you think of something that may have been holding you back uh, from creating your new life? Because uh, I know there are probably a lot of things going through your mind, but what was like the greatest narrative or the greatest thought that was keeping you from stepping forward into creating a new life uh, without football? Yeah, I would say the greatest challenge was trying to understand Right. Like, I think that's the thing that prevents a lot of us from stepping into or embracing our purpose in terms of when opposition and adversity hits. Because by nature, what a person does is when you go through something that you don't understand, that you don't like, that brings you a certain level of pain. The first thing you think about most of the time, man, why I'm dealing with this? Like, why I got to go through this? It's like now in the world, it's a lot of people dealing with a level of opposition that they never imagined they would face. And people are like, man, why well, I got to go through this? And I was the same way, like, man, this can't be. And I'm trying to understand it, trying to recollect it. And it didn't happen until I got to the point where I was like, all right, Inc., take that same energy that you're taking trying to understand the situation and just focus on surviving it, right? Take it one day at a time, win the day. Whatever rehab sessions you got to go to, whatever things you have to do, whatever they bring to you and say, hey, are you willing to do this? Embrace it, survive the moment, then once you get over the hill and now you got a certain level of peace about it, now you try to understand it. And now you look back on it and see where the creator was using you and you put the pieces to the puzzle and then you can embrace your purpose. But while you're still trying to understand it, sometimes it makes it hard because that opposition is so heavy and so strong. It's interesting because my story is similar in that a co college baseball, an injury, traumatic knee surgery, but mine turned into addiction. So mm. I, yeah, I got prescribed 80 Percocet a week for a month and the doctor cut me off cold turkey. And I had this massive cadaver transplant of my meniscus in my knee. First person to ever have it done in Arizona. These were the stories, but mine was different where I used pills to numb. I lost my purpose. So I mm. lost the love of my life. I lost my purpose. I lost the only thing I ever knew, my identity. And I used the physical pain as a reason to numb out. But when my life got so bad that I ended up in rehab, when I got real and I got honest and I stopped blaming everybody else, I didn't want to feel the emotional pain of the lot. So I numbed it out and I did drugs and pop pills every single day until I finally had to lay it down. So it's just interesting how different approaches, right? But what I, what I love about yours is you turned and faced it and you channeled the motivation and your natural gifts that you've always had and you turned it on what you could control. Yeah, man. And I think the process was similar, right? Like what you just spoke to about 
you know, get into that space and place to where you're like, all right, bro, I yield, right? I got to lay it down. I think we all hit that point with whatever we're facing and whatever we're fighting. We all get to a point in the journey to where we're like, all right, man, I'm tired of fighting. What's next? And then we go in search of whether it be our purpose, our mission, our identity, whatever the case may be. Like my teacher told me something when I was young and I think it helped me as I started to grow. And I didn't understand it when he said it to me. But when I started to face levels of opposition as I was getting older and I was forced to think and I was forced to grow, he said something to me early on. And all he said was, whenever you go through something, whenever you find yourself in the midst of adversity and opposition, you're trying to change your life. It's a you issue. He said, it's a you issue. Inc. Don't blame nobody. Don't blame your circumstances. It's a you issue. You find yourself out of balance, get yourself back to center. It's a you issue. And I'll never forget taking that approach, even though at times I was stubborn and I didn't want to believe it, right? When things would happen. But when I subscribed to that thought process, it helped me out a lot. But I had to yield first, man, to get to a place of understanding. Mm. That surrender is key, man. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. So I would say, transitioning from that what built your life today what i'll say what are you most grateful for in your journey from that time into who you are now and give us a little bit of uh mm -hmm. what you do today and what your life is like today yeah man the thing that i'm most grateful for man is you know my level of peace right like it says it biblically it says peace that surpasses all understanding right and i had to fight for it for years and so People come up to me all the time and they're like, Ink, be honest with me. You'll change what happened to you. And I'm like, nah. And they're like, man, you got a paralyzed right arm in hand. If you could be in the NFL, like you wouldn't change that. And I'm always like, man, if you would have caught me early in the process, I'd have been like, no doubt, man. Let's swap this joint out. Let's change it. If I could be balling right now, let's do it. But now the husband, the father, the servant, I go out, I speak. I've been speaking now for coming up on 14 years full time. Like my purpose, my mission is intact. But also I started to notice how what happened to me affected other people. I started to notice how the people that I was connected to was changing as a result of what happened to me. Not by me saying anything to them, not by me trying to preach to anybody, not by me saying, hey, man, I'm in this place of peace. Like I got this. You should do that. Not by any of that. Just by seeing what happened to me, seeing how I responded to it and seeing how I was willing to fight for it, even with my journey of speaking. I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing. I never wanted to do it. Only thing I wanted to do was play ball and fade to black, you know, become a father, become a husband and do what I do. And so it started from people approaching me, you know, about how what I went through impacted their life. And then I had to deal with it with the creator. Like, all right, man, I had been running from it forever. Like I never wanted to do this. And I got to that point that you all are speaking about when I was like, all right, God, whatever you want me to do, people are saying this, I think is this, it feels right, let's do it. And more so than anything, man, the peace that what I went through, what I experienced, my journey, my purpose, my contract with God and what I'm doing with my life, it serves a greater purpose than just myself. And so every single day, waking up, fighting through the opposition, fighting through the adversity to always get my perspective back to that place of my contract with God. Yeah. You talked a lot about purpose and mission. What is, we know you as one of the top motivational speakers in the world. I've heard plenty of your fire and it's again, it's a blessing to even 
have you on here talking and, and hearing that fire. Right. But what would you say? Because I, I hear you say, I believe God speaks through the mouths of other people. That's where I hear God the most. And so when you have people pointing out your natural gifts and talents and your heart, right? Your inspiration, at some point it can't be ignored. And so them pointing out your natural gifts and talents, because that's what purpose is all about, figuring out what your natural gifts and talents are and then sharing them, being of service, using those to be of service to the world. What would you say? I don't know if you have a purpose statement or a mission statement or just something around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, man, it's more so about representing myself in the right way with every opportunity I get, with everything I do, with everything I touch. So the next generation, whether it be my children, uh, whether it be the next speaker that looks like me, that came up the way I've came up, like I view it this way. Like I tell people all the time when I was in high school and I told people I was going to college from my high school, a lot of people thought it was a joke. A lot of people didn't believe it would happen. A lot of people was like, man, whatever. Like we hear you. And I'll never forget. I went in the restroom on an airplane and I was fortunate. It was my first time ever riding an airplane. I was going from an all-star football game. And there was a sign on the wall and the sign said, it's common courtesy to the person that's coming behind you. Can you wipe the sink out and leave it better than you found it? And I was like, man, it's common courtesy to the people that's coming behind me. I'm going to leave things better than I found them. And so even when I speak or get the opportunity to go in the room to present to a company, I want to do my best to conduct myself in the right manner. So when they go looking for the next speaker, the next guy that might have played sports and now he's transitioned into this career. They can think back and say, man, that cat Inky Johnson, he did a great job for us. Let's give this guy an opportunity. My children, I tell them all the time, most important thing I could ever give to them, it isn't money, even though that's important, right? It isn't anything materialistic or superficial, even though some of those things are important. But the greatest thing I can ever give to them as their father is two things, showing them that I respect and I love their mother. The second thing is making sure that I give them a good last name. So wherever they go, whatever they do, Whatever they touch, it's like, man, I remember your father and how he conducted himself. Not that they will be given anything because they got to work for everything just like everybody else. But they represent something different, right? Because of how I conducted myself as a man. Is that easy? No. Like character is not something we inherit. Character is something we got to wake up every single day. We got to fight and we got to build it. And so waking up every single day, man, and being willing to fight for what I feel is right and being willing to fight for the character that I'm trying to build every single day. Yeah. yeah, man. I hear leaving a legacy, you know, leaving a legacy, not with possessions, but with actions. And uh, that's all we want these listeners to hear is that these stories of comeback of redemption, it's all about the action. It's all about, you know, what putting one foot in front of the other and not trying to worry about all the things in the world that you can control and trying to get results and outcomes. But, creating that process and being in the flow of your process and seeing how, you know, that can impact the world. Like you impacted me and you, you don't even really remember that experience because you've been, you just in your bag, you just impacted yeah. the world only in a way that only you can. And, you know, your legacy is definitely. I did see your story though. So I knew about you because I saw your story. You know, when you were talking about the road you went down and your battle to get back. And so even when we connected, like you probably didn't know I knew, but I, I was aware of the journey, man, and, and the struggle to get to where you are. And I got respect for that. You know, warriors respect warriors, man. I think that's the beauty of life. All of us on this platform right now have been through a certain level of opposition that makes us have a certain level of empathy and respect for each other. 
And so that's the beauty of opposition, adversity, and challenges. It not only introduces us into who we really are, it helps us identify with other people and have a certain level of empathy for their struggle and their journey. Yes, sir. What you said about your mission and purpose, what I heard a lot of, I coach a lot around the the four agreements and just reread it again, but that be impeccable with your word. And Mm -hmm. as a speaker, right, I feel like when I first heard that agreement, I thought, okay, do the things you say you're going to do for other people, but it's way more than that. It's the word, it's the promises you keep to yourself. It's Mm -hmm. using the word or your word to guide you in truth and purpose and in love and I just think, man, you embody all those agreements, but that first one of being impeccable with your word is powerful and your words matter. And even like speaking to Darren, even though the student wasn't ready at the time, but you know, now he's good to go and the teacher has appeared, man. And we're grateful to have you on here, man, teaching us some fire and wisdom. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, yeah, before uh, we wrap up, we just want to know, you know, we don't get to where we at by ourselves. Is there one person... Yeah. You would love to give uh, a comeback story. Shout out to if you can name one. Man, it's so many, man. Um, like I, I live my life with the loyalty and the respect that I do because of the people that help uh, shape and mold me into who I am. But if I had to pick one, uh, obviously it would be my mother because of her journey, her path. I never saw a complaint, never, ever saw a complaint in terms of when I was growing up as a kid. And what we experienced, even when I would be in a park at night, once I started playing organized sports and she would get off work and she would come and I knew she was tired after working a double shift. And I'll be like, mom, can you sit back in your car, turn on your car lights? I got to do some extra drills. I got to chase this dream to go to the NFL. She had every right to be like, man, get in this car. Let's go home. I'm tired. I've been working every time, bro. She'll sit in that car and she'll turn those car lights on and let young ink chase that dream. And that shaped and molded me in more ways than she ever could imagine. And so I would have to give it to my mom. What would you say, we got you for a couple more minutes, to the person that's out there struggling right now, that maybe it's injury, tragedy, addiction, like they know they're struggling, they know they need to do something about it, but they don't know what to do. What would you tell that person? Man, to, to never forget that you're worthy, man. And that all of us go through struggles, right? And I think one of the mistakes that we make as people, when we see people, we think where we meet them is where they've always been. And so you'll see an inky and think, man, where he is today, that's where he he's always been. No, I haven't. I had my struggles like everybody else. I had to fight through disappointment, adversity, and opposition like everybody else. That's the beauty of it. And a lot of times when we go through struggles, we feel so alone, right? right? And we feel like, man, we're battling this thing by ourselves. And sometimes I think three of the hardest words that people could ever say is, I need help, right? Mm -hmm. That's three of the hardest words for a person to say, right? They could be struggling. They can be about to lose it. Things about to go off the rails. Three of the hardest words for a person ever says, hey, man, I need help, right? And you'll be surprised of the answer that you'll get, right, from people. Because most people, man, they care just like everybody else. Some people may hold you accountable, but most people, even when they hold you accountable, they still care. And they're still willing to help. And so don't go through it alone. But the key is this. When you get on the other side of it, do me a favor. You get on the other side of your opposition. and You get on the other side of your struggle. Don't focus on just understanding it. Focus on surviving it. And once you survive it, once you get on the other side of it, go find somebody that's dealing with something that's similar to what you went through. Right. And walk with them. 
right? On their journey, love them. Have a certain level of empathy. Have a certain level of understanding. Because I firmly believe our struggles, our challenges, what we go through, it's not just for us. The Bible says it. We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. That's why when you hear somebody's story, it's like, man, I can identify with that. You hear somebody struggle. It gives you chills, right? You hear what somebody go through. They can been at the lowest of the low, climb themselves back up to the top. You're like, man, I respect that. Salute. We identify with that. And so it will be selfish of us to get through whatever we get through and just hold the experience to ourselves and never share it with anybody else. But never stop fighting, man. Know that you're worthy. Yeah, man. You just said it for me. One of the one of the quotes that really changed my perspective from what I could get to what I could give was we can only keep what we have by giving it away. And naturally wow. that sounds impossible. It sounds like you have to keep what you have in order to keep it. Um, but you gotta but you gotta give it to someone. And every time that you yeah. give it, I feel like it like hardwires your brain even more and put and gets your toes like deeper in the mud of the mission, like into the ground, into the earth of what you stand on and what you stand for. And every time you get at somebody, it's a repetition, like you in the gym, like doing four sets of 10 bicep curls, you're doing that for your mind, you're doing that for your spirit. And mm. that's the way that we can truly grow. Because without the spiritual growth, you know, who are we really? So given the things that inspire us the most, the story that hurt us the most, but giving that to somebody else, that turns that pain into power. And that's just everything. Yeah. I feel that speaking to me right now. Nah, that's good. That's strong, man. <laughs> you said it, bro. I can't touch that. You said it. Yeah, I think dope. the wild thing about me and Darren's past, it's our mess and self inflicted I mean, yeah, there was pain and there's reasons maybe why we did it. But the bottom line is it was us that caught the addiction, yeah. the drugs, the decisions that we made. I, it blows my mind to this day that when I'm sitting here with you three, because of those terrible decisions, because of the pain and the worry and the stuff I put my family through, the fact that all of that can help somebody else, it blows my mind. It's cool because when we do our whole 12-step work, you know, and identify our character defects, selfishness and self-centeredness is what they say is at the core of the disease of addiction or alcoholism. So where it's all about us, people that don't understand the disease, they might not think it's a disease, don't understand why someone would choose drugs over their own children. But mm -hmm. it's that powerful of a grip it has over you. But for us to be able to kind of spin the selfishness on its head and mm -hmm. still be selfish, but in a way that actually gives us freedom yeah. and helps everybody else, like it's the best selfish move of, uh, ever and we don't have to take down everybody else around us at the same time. And yeah, it's like karma. You get what you give. And yeah, you, the only way we keep what we have is if we give it away. And good, it's a wild man. ride, man. That's beautiful, man. It's like, I thought about my son. I got an eight-year-old son. And he always says like, uno reverse. Like when you do something that's dope and you talk about selfishness and taking it and flipping it on his head and using it a different way, man. So you reverse engineer it. That's dope, man. Yeah, salute. I respect that. Oh. Yes, sir. But uh, you know, thank you. We, we thank you for joining us today, man. Thank you for sharing your fire, your vision with people, and you know, getting down on their level. Like you said, not talking down on them, but talking with them. Your voice for where they're at and where they're trying to go. So, thank you for your time today. Thank you for impacting my life and countless lives. And whoever's listening to this, if you haven't heard of Inky Johnson, YouTube him, Google him. 
uh, your life, your world is bound to be changed and affected in a major way. So thank you for joining us. Nah, man. It's a pleasure. Where else can we find you? Where else can our listeners find you? Mm -hmm. The best way to track you down. So on all social media sites, you know, Inky Johnson, of course, Instagram is Inky Johnson Motivate because somebody hacked my account and took my (laughs) name, Inky Johnson. So I'm Inky Johnson Motivate. And my website, inkyjohnson.com, and my YouTube, Inky Johnson. And so all those sites, man, we put up content, things of that nature. So I greatly appreciate the support. Most importantly, I greatly appreciate you guys and this platform, man, and being transparent and being vulnerable. That's something that we don't do enough as men, and that's powerful, man. And I think that changes people. And so I greatly appreciate you both for being willing to do that. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I want to just acknowledge you right back. I mean, to sit three men talking about what I think is real talk, what true strength, talking about emotions, talking about self-love, talking about our flaws. It's a blessing, man. You're a blessing. You're a bright light in my life, even though I've never um, met you in person. You've made a huge impact on me and I pass along a lot of your stuff to my coaching clients. So just keep shining bright, brother, and we'll hope to meet in the flesh soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brothers, man. Thank you. This is what I represent. Staying true till I'm six down. It might take a little bit, but every king's gonna get crowned.